Hello and welcome to the Cyber Security Insider episode 26. This is Egal Beha, your host. And today we have another guest with me. Let me add JC. JC is here. So welcome. Please tell us uh, thanks, who thanks you are. For My pleasure. So tell us about yourself a little bit so people, the viewers, can can know who you are and what you do, what you did a little bit, and and then we'll get, get started. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you. I'm JC Gaylard. I'm the founder and managing director of Corex Partners, and we're a boutique management consulting business and, and a thought leadership platform based in, in London in the UK. And that's a business I set up about 10 years ago when I... Um, when I left Rabobank, where I was the chief security officer, all the, 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 the ten years, ten years before that, uh, and and in in short, we've been working with large organizations since uh, since then, um, mostly with cybersecurity strategy, organization, and governance challenges, and uh, and and that's me really in a few sentences. Okay, that, that's excellent. Okay, so let's uh, jump to our uh, next uh, item, which is um, the current issues that your customers are having. Well, what's their big, you know, big problems that they have out there? Well, it's not a big surprise. You know, the last the last couple of years have been dominated by the COVID pandemic. It's no big deal. We're facing, um, if you want. We are we're dealing with um, with two different type of, of of customers broadly. We're dealing with those who have uh, had a maturity problem for a long time and uh, are waking up to the fact that cyber attacks are a reality and and uh, that they're happening relentlessly. That the COVID has made them more dependent on digital services uh, and. Um, and obviously, they need to do something about it, and and they want to do something about it. You know, if you want, the, the, the this is now a, a matter of, of leadership imperative to address it. We've got those type of customers. And we've also got customers who have been involved for a long time in a variety of cybersecurity programs, uh, more or less working or not working, as it happens. So customers who have been aware of cybersecurity for a long time some of them for the best part of the last 10 or 20 years and uh i've been I, i've been working on it in some way or another um and um, are now again uh it's it's a matter of leadership imperative to get things done but if you want the two different groups of customers are coming at it from different from different uh different angles some are effectively waking up to the problem for good or for bad and some others are waking up to the fact they have not been dealing with the problem in the right way for the best part of the ten or, 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 or last ten or, or twenty years. So that's roughly where we are. The COVID has has obviously opened the eyes of lots of people at management level, at leadership level, uh, around the fact that cyber is a reality. Cyber attacks are a reality. Uh, they are dependent on digital services, and cybersecurity is a pillar of that. So they they are waking up to it. They are they are accepting it, but um, essentially it's a matter of getting things done now. And it's it's uh, it's uh, it, it shifts 
the it, it shifts the, the the storytelling if you want it shifts the uh, shifts the line okay. that's what we're seeing in 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 short at, at, at the minute mostly with large organizations but i'm pretty sure small organizations are or smaller organizations are bound to be in a similar sort of situation in the sense that we've seen cyber attacks affecting all types of, of businesses large and small you know in all corners of the world so you know, it, it's not really, uh, it, it's not really uh, an option. Cyber attacks or, or data breaches or ransomware attacks are not the, the privilege of large firms. Far from. Well, it's not exactly a smaller one, but typically the smaller ones, <clears throat> even though you can say that the bigger ones also suffering from the same thing and nobody can hide anymore uh, behind uh, under a rock and say, oh, it's not going to come to me. I'm small. Uh, I don't have any value. And this is keep, keep coming. A lot of business owners that say, and I'm talking about small business owners, like if let's say they have 10 computers or 50 computers or 100 computers, say, oh, but we're a small company who might want to come and take my information. There's no value in my information. Well, it's not exactly because they don't understand where it can go and they don't understand. And once you bring the cloud and everything is get a bit more messy than it was before. Well, I, I want to come back to what you said about there is no value in my information. Right. That's that's what most that's what many small businesses think. And they may very, very be very, they may they may be right, you know, they may be. But but the value is that this information helps them run their business, and and that's exactly the sort of segment the ransomware people are targeting because you know they're just hijacking your data. They don't. Care. Some of them will care about your data because they can resell it and they can make money out of it. But many of them will just care about you paying the ransom. Frankly, they paralyze your business. If you don't get your data back, you cannot operate. You've got your customers waiting. You've got your own brand and your own business to save. And if you don't pay the ransom, at least that's their logic. If you don't pay the ransom, you can't operate and you and 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 you die. You stop working. Okay. And and that's what they're banking on. They're banking on the fact that you're going to pay the ransom. Irrespective of the actual value your data may or may not have in real terms. The data has the data has value to you because it will run your business and operate your business and serve your customers. And most ransomware gangs are relying on that, on the fact that you're going to pay the ransom, irrespective of the actual value of the data. Sorry, I'm being disturbed now. We may have to cut that, uh, Yiga. That's okay. <laughs> you, you can you can sip happens, your coffee or your water. It's fine. It you, happens, you can... it no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm I'm just was trying to give you the other side of the because I know you're consulting. I myself a consultant by by not like making a choice to be a consultant, but I become a consultant like you, and and then you find yourself with the questions that for you it sounds strange that people will ask those questions. Of course, but. What do you mean? Of course, you, you need to. There's no question about it. But for them, there's a question because it's always about expenses. And now they need to borrow more expenses that they want to have. And then when they say, listen, if this is going to happen to you, <clears throat> A, you're going to be out of business. Customers won't come to you. You're going to lose the, the revenue that you are not making because of this ransomware attack. Uh, reputation. 
right? And then all the legal fees, bringing somebody to clean up all the mess that you could avoid a little bit or make it smaller than um, it is now. And it's going to cost you more. So I said, okay, you know, when it comes, I'll handle it. It's fine. I don't need to do anything. But then you can save much more over the course of the year for three years because I had, I had the, the same issue with, the, with another customer. So this is kind of uh, things that that happening. And so with that, I want to I wanna go to the next item, which is, you know, I hear it a lot, but I want to hear it from you. How do you start or restart a cybersecurity program? So they know, like people come to me and they said, you know, we need to do something. Uh, we need to do all those things. And yeah, we need to do MFA. We need... How do you get them and you guide them or or would they say holding their hands and escort them with their journey, right? Because it's a journey and it's, a, it's something that, and we're gonna touch it. Like there's another, another, another piece of it. So, whoa, whoa, how would you, uh, you, you know, you get a call from a CEO, says, "Oh, we we need to do something." Well, what's what's what would you be your uh, response? My first response, if you want, my first line of response would be to try to understand the actual background in which the realization is taking place. And by, I, I know it's, I'm going to give you an answer to your question, which is a straight answer, but it's a bit of a, uh, it will sound maybe to some of our listeners like a little bit of a, a theoretical answer, in particular where, where, when it comes to small organizations, because I know small organizations would expect a practical, a tangible answer to a question like this one. And I'm going to go off, a, I'm not going to go off a tangent, but I'm going to give you a bit of a theoretical a, a answer first. What I, my first approach to, to, um, to um, answering the question is really to understand what is behind it, if you want. Uh, what, what I would tell a CEO or a CIO approaching me with this question is always, the first thing you need to do is to own the problem. You know, really accept it. Accept that cybersecurity forms part of your business and the way your business needs to run and accept it as a dimension of your business. It needs to be owned. Do not approach the problem as something which is somebody else's problem, something which is an IT problem, something which you want to make disappear, you know, brush it under the carpet or, or give it to someone else to sort out. Don't approach it looking for a magic answer because there is none. Approach it as something which forms now part of the way your business needs to run and the environment in which your business needs to operate. Approach it with that logic and you will start to see it under under a different light okay and that's the first thing of course once you reach that point the next stage is to understand the level of maturity you're at and and it will involve some form of maturity assessment for no better word to 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 understand exactly where you are and i'm always saying that because cybersecurity didn't appear overnight it didn't appear with the covid crisis it didn't appear with ransomware okay cybersecurity good practice started to be drafted, you know, 20 to 25 years ago. Uh, the good practices, which still form part of current cyber good practice and which are the backbone of current good practice framework, those good practices, they still protect you. You know, 
if you do the basics right, you will achieve a degree of protection even against a degree of compliance with regulations. Okay? So fundamentally, cybersecurity is not something new. So understanding where you are, if you're waking up to it today, is an important point. I talk to CIOs very often, and they tell me, oh, we are rubbish at it. We do nothing. Okay? And invariably, I tell them the same thing. Stop. Take a, take a, a, take a step back. You know, it's impossible. Impossible in, for any organization today to do genuinely nothing about cybersecurity. Okay? So it's about understanding where the maturity is. And it starts with some form of maturity assessment, understanding what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're doing well, not so well. Invariably, you will have things in place. You will have firewalls, you will have antivirus, you'll have suppliers doing this or that. It's about understanding that, understanding that, understanding that pattern in relation with your business and, and what matters to you and the different levels of maturity across that, that, that spectrum. And, and that has to be a starting point. You know, I do not believe that there are any genuine green field out there around cybersecurity. It's all about understanding what you're doing, what you're not doing, the functions you've activated, the functions you haven't activated. If you're using Office, Office 365, for example, you know, Microsoft has added an enormous quantity of features around, around security, privacy, and compliance. Okay? You will have some of those turned on. Whether you know it or not is another matter. So it's all about understanding that context. And once you understand that, figure out what you want to do in relation to the threats you're facing. But the starting point has to be first acceptance, acknowledgement that this is real, that this is part of business, ownership, figuring out who internally is going to own it and drive it. You know, the objective being not to make it somebody else's problem, not to try to make it disappear, not to try to give it to someone else to sort it out, but really to find a way internally within the organization to, 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 to make it happen, and then figuring out without complacency where you are in terms of maturity, what you're good at, what you're not so good at. I hope I've answered your question. It's a long answer, I think. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a long answer. It's okay, because I, um, I want the viewers also to hear it from, from another person beside me, because I can say that, and, and people would listen, and then say, yeah, 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 yeah. And, but if another person says whatever you say and like we have say we understand it both of us then maybe other people would would also take the same the same same approach i'm hoping um so but not only come to your point that ceo needs to take ownership they really need to support it board of directors need to support and understand that cyber is very important and it's because it is it's not becoming it is when you said pillars usually cyber is considered to be it but cyber security is not it it's not it it's something else yes it, it's related it to computers what no i was just saying it cannot be just it it is no just well, they're, they're, yeah no the, but they said we, that we they, yeah, but they, they how people see cyber, they see it as a as a as a part of IT, which is not because it's a different specialty. Yeah. It's like if you go to and and so let's say you go to the doctor, a general doctor, who said, oh, you know, I have a problem with, let's say, with your heart or with some some specific item. 
organ in your body, you're going to go to that specialist. The general doctor may know general things, you know, the basics, the, the basic fundamentals, but he won't be able to address your specific issues because he doesn't have specialty. And to be an expert in something, you need to devote maybe all your life in order to get to a mastery in whatever you do. So this is kind of the things that uh, that, that we see in, in our, um, when we encounter um, either existing business or new business customers, and they think that the cyber is part of IT, which is not. And, and for that, you mentioned it as uh, something as magic, and I want to touch that point because, and, and then we're going to touch the next item. So, you know, in our prep call, you said, okay, we said it's cyber is not, you know, one, two, three steps, and, and I'm done. And, and, and I want to expand a little bit about that and is to explain that cyber is not something that you start at one point and you end in one point and not necessarily that it's so easy because everything is is more complicated than it used to be and this is because all the added services that you mentioned office 365 that end some security features on by default yes some of them those security features will be disabled because it it blocks them to do certain things that you want them to do but it's already enabled, like MFA, it's already uh, enabled by default, for instance. Also, also Google uh, did that just recently that you need to enable, MFA is enabled by default. Um, but then what, why it's not uh, magic, right? We understand it's not a magic. We understand it's, it's, it's a process that you need to do and you need to repeat it time and time and time again. So why it's not magic? Why it's not one, two, three? Why I can't just, you know, insert patches and I'm done? Or enable MFA. We're telling you to enable MFA. That's it. I enable MFA. So probably I'm 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 fine. So what is that they need to do? The the key is really to think about the protection from cyber threats as something you need to activate in layers. There is not one layer of protection which is going to protect you absolutely against all forms of threats all the time. If you think about ransomware, you know, there are lots of people out there who are telling you, oh, this is just about awareness. This is about training your staff. What you need to fight ransomware is a fantastic program to train your staff so that they're not going to click on the links. Well, of course you need that, but that's not enough because you will always have malicious content coming through and you will, you will always have people under stress and so on clicking on it. Then they say, then you've got other people saying the, 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 what you need about ransomware is upstream filtering of your of your emails so that the, the, the bad stuff doesn't come in. Of course you need that, but we know those tools are have never been perfect. And uh eventually something comes through. Other people will tell you what you need from ransomware, the absolute silver bullet against ransomware is patching. What you need to do is to apply security patches in in a timely fashion and you're protected. Well, of course it's important, but in reality, across a large complex estate, there are always good reasons why you wouldn't patch this, this, or you wouldn't patch that, okay? And that's what I mean by defense in layers. In reality, to protect yourself against ransomware, you need to act at all those layers and probably a number of other layers, okay? But there is, 
there are many, many vendors out there trying to push, obviously, their product and their solution as being the one silver bullet that is going to protect you. And those things simply don't exist. Life is more complicated. Technology is more complicated. The modern enterprise is more complicated than that. You need to act at a number of layers, you know, layer upon layer upon layer to actually achieve a degree of protection. Just, just relying on one of those layers and just relying on the, frankly, the, 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 the I was going to say the bullshit, and I might as well say it, the bullshit of some vendors. Is not you can say, you can say. You, you are allowed to use uh, a little bit, a little bit, uh, I would say offensive, but you, you are allowed to use uh, a little bit more colorful. I mean it, uh, I mean it in, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean it in, well, anyway, I, I, no, I don't mean it in a nice way. I mean it in, in the way it's intended, frankly. And I'm just saying this because it's it's all too common. You know, you 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 need to understand that this only defense in in layer and defense in death will achieve a degree of protection against the current threats in the in the enterprise. That's what that, that's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, uh, I can't uh, say that I don't agree. I 100 agree with what you said and people expecting that okay you can't depend on layers and and we call it the onion onion protection so you have like an onion you have layers so security it's about layered and say layered security they have different names but they mention it um in, in different contexts so food is one of the ways how to explain it because onion you know how, if you eat onions I, i love to eat onions i don't know if you if you like to eat onions i think it's very healthy anyway <laughs> cooked or not cooked um and you have layers there and this is the best way how to um explain that in a in a you know simple words uh that anyone can understand that is not in a technology field like us you need layers and you said patching is not it's not sufficient and sometimes you can't apply all the patches because you have compatibility issues something can break anything can happen so patching is one thing it's you can say it's a layer yes it's a layer and then MFA yes you need MFA yes you need user training not always they're gonna do whatever you're telling them but at least you increase the awareness and and this is where we are so if you if we were in 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 you know point a and we want to go to point Z we have We have few points to go over there in order to get there. So you need you need to start. Yes, it might not be perfect where you are, but the 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 objective is to be better in a, in in the next 12 months to be better in a better place in terms of your security layered security. This is the way the onion approach is is the best way to go. So that that that's that was um uh, exactly to the point. Um. And I want to move to the supply chain because you know, any company these days is, is considered to be supply chain. And I don't know if exactly if, if supply chain is really described what's actually happening uh, these days because Microsoft Office is also a third party that gives you services. You're dependent on them. Right, you 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 had an exchange on prem. You took your exchange. You migrated everything, all the mailboxes. Now your email now is being served by by Microsoft. They are now becoming your third party. Or you're using any Citrix, Citrix or you're using any any kind of um, 
cloud service, they are third parties to you. So anybody is in the supply chain, and especially with MSPs, the managed services providers, because they are maintaining the IT, internal IT, but they're also maintaining cloud infrastructure as well. And I'm not sure that MSPs or even the customer understand cloud uh, to the point where cloud is is a wild waste. And and this is my theory. I mean, you know, you can disagree, you can agree. I think the more cloud services, the more vulnerabilities we'll see. Because, and I have a lot of stories about cloud services and how those are been effect affecting everybody. And I don't remember because I'm in, in this industry since the 2000. And I haven't seen so many events on a daily basis occur, let's say, back in, you know, since 2000, let's say, to 2005 or 2010. Okay, you had, yeah, you had the cold red, you had blue red, you had all the, yeah, you had some, some events, yes. But they didn't happen on a daily basis. Now you experience it every day. You hear about health organization got to run somewhere. This one got hacked. The government got hacked. The CIA, the FBI, nobody's. They said, oh, yeah, but the FBI was hacked. The CIA was hacked. Okay, so why you as a small company, do you think you'll be able to, be, to survive an attack? Like, this is a joke. So what's your take about supply chain and MSPs? Well, it's a, first of all, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a, very, it's a very complicated question. And I, to be honest, I'm not totally sure I've got a, I've got a full and, and definite answer to it. There are different layers. Uh, and, and it does, um, how can I say, it does compound a number of problems organizations have, in particular large organizations. Um, if you look at situations like, you know, the solar wind uh, or the outbreak or solar, solar wind breach or the, or the log4j stuff uh, earlier this year or last year, um, this is challenging organizations in terms of really understanding their estate, knowing their estate. You know, if you hit with the log4j stuff, the first problem you have is to understand where you've got it. To understand that and to be able to react quickly enough means you need to have a degree of visibility, a degree of knowledge of your estate, which is already at a certain level of maturity. Many, 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 many large organizations don't have it. Smaller organizations, it's bound to be worse, I think. Okay? Uh, so that's the first problem, knowing your estate to a level, to a level which allows you to deal with those type of problems, as opposed to just waiting for something to happen, frankly, like you know the vendor to release a patch or this or that. Um, that that that's one thing. If if you don't know your estate well enough, what can you do? You cannot do anything. You, you are either going to be breached, or you're going to wait for a patch to be released, and then you'll do what you can to deploy it. You'll keep your fingers crossed, hoping that nothing happens in between. Okay, you may be hacked, you may not be hacked, you just don't know. That's not very, very reassuring, is it, from a business perspective? Okay, and I wouldn't like to be the CISO who has to go and see senior execs and tell them that sort of story. And but it happens; it happens every day to CISOs because, as you said, 
we have never seen such uh, an accumulation of cyber attacks. So that that's one that, that's one line of answer to your question. The other line of answer to your question about the cloud also challenges organizations because behind behind the cloud you've got something called shadow IT. And the fact that in many, many, many organizations, the business, frankly, has been building up their own uh, processes, their own relationship with suppliers in the cloud, frankly, because very often they didn't have a very good relationship with the corporate IT. And very often they felt the corporate IT wasn't responsive and uh, you know they went out and did their own things. Because at the same time, over the last 10 or 20 years, of course, the cloud business has, has been building up. And lots of services have emerged. You know, in one typical case, if you want, of, of what we're talking about here is what's ha what has been happening to the HR industry over the past 20 years. When I was working uh, 20 years ago, uh, the HR department was in-house and they were dealing with stuff in-house. They were using the in-house email. They were storing files and CVs and stuff like that and medical records in-house on servers. But they were getting such a bad treatment from corporate IT that when the likes of Taleo and all those guys came along, uh, well, you know, they just, they, they thought it was fantastic. And they just went for it. And, and with that, all the personal data, sensitive stuff, and all the CVs and all that, and all the, the HR business on a better word. Okay? And, um, and and that's absolutely typical in my experience of, of what's happened, you know, in, in a number of support functions in that instance, but also in the business. And um, you you need again to have a good um, a good grip on your organization to understand where this has happened or where that has happened. Otherwise, how do you deal with it? You can't. Okay. And 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 this concept of shadow IT has been frankly, everywhere for, for the best part of the last 10 years, in my experience. So it makes dealing with the supply chain problem extremely complicated. Because now something happens out there. Uh, you know your data is out there. You know you can be hacked or your data can be hacked. But you don't know where it is and you don't know where to start unless you have a good grip on, on what's been happening around all those things. Uh, so to me, it's a very complicated topic because it does challenges organizations at this level. What have you been doing over the last 10 or 20 years to actually deal with it? Do you know where you are? Do you know what sort of estate you're dealing with? Do you know where your data is? Uh, and otherwise, you know, what can you do? I'm not sure I've answered your question, but I've tried. Was muted. A kind of, um, but I think that yeah, shadow IT is is another aspect because of all the cloud services and because uh, corporate didn't IT didn't have the understanding or didn't didn't have the time and or didn't put any priorities on the request of the of the employees of the company, and then they need to go and find solutions in order to solve their problem, their business problem, in order to function. Um, Okay, I know you mentioned uh, digital transformation, and just what's that? What is it? 
digital transformation? Is it like something new or is this something that's happening? What does it mean for organizations, for anybody, smaller one? Well, that, that, that we spend the entire podcast on defining digital transformation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, well, in, in more in more respective to to the cybersecurity, I would say, because then we we want to look at the at the um, at the at the uh, the digital uh, transformation, you know, through that microscope that is the cybersecurity. So it's the cybersecurity eyes to look about digital transformation and the impact on di digital transformation, but maybe a little bit. I can give my own explanation, but I, I want to hear what, what do you say about the digital uh, transformation? What, what what's that? The different. I'm I'm going to give you different elements of answer here. When I spoke about digital transformation earlier, I was mostly talking about what's happened to some organizations around the COVID crisis and the fact that they have had to shift their operation onto a digital platform because the physical platform on which they were operating before wasn't available anymore, wasn't working anymore, wasn't able to deliver services to their customers anymore. That's what I meant. Broadly speaking, digital transformation, from, from my perspective, if you refer to uh, what's been happening over the last, say, five years, uh, is, is really challenging uh, information security in a number of ways, or cyber security in a number of ways. But I want to stress that digital transformation didn't appear with the smartphone, it didn't appear with with with, uh, with with you know with with IoT or or or, or, or with the blockchain, okay, to, to to stick to a few a few buzzwords. Um, digital transformation has been affecting industries for the best part of the last twenty years since the advent of the internet, to be honest, and maybe to an extent before that, depending how far you want to go. Okay, to a large extent, the introduction of co of, of mainframe computers in the sixties and the seventies was some form of digital transformation okay uh, we could go on and on like that so there are aspects of the digital transformation phenomenon which are incremental the internet being one aspect of that and there are aspects which are a bit more dis disruptive but if you look at the travel industry for example the travel industry was first disrupted by the internet okay uh, if you go back 25 years ago 25 years or 30 years in the past you know there was con there, you know we, we used to buy holidays in corner shops we used to go to shops to buy you know, airline tickets, or we used to phone, you know, some sort of call center somewhere and they would issue a ticket for us. Okay. Uh, and then all that business shifted online. Now we, and then people have been buying holidays and booking rooms and buying airline tickets online. And now the airline, the travel industry is, well, pre COVID at least, now the COVID is affecting them in all sorts of different ways. But the travel industry pre COVID was moving towards another level in terms of, of digital transformation. In the, in the shape of, you know, providing virtual reality experiences or augmented reality experiences so that you can experience what the hotel room will be like or what the, the you know, the, the, the cruise ship would be like, whatever you, you want to do. Anyway, just to give an example here, there are aspects in the digital transformation which are incremental. There are aspects which are a bit more, a bit more disruptive. Undoubtedly, the, 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 the neobanks have been disrupted, you know, mainstream or high street banks in, in, in a way we which is very, very, very disruptive. But then at the same time, it doesn't make sense, you know, for opening a bank account to take, to take uh, you know, two weeks and, and three visits to a branch. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. So anyway, I'm just saying that um, 
when you talk about digital transformation, you need to understand the complexity of it. There are aspects which are incremental, aspects which are disruptive. You need to keep to keep all that all, all that in, in in perspective. With regards to cybersecurity, for me, uh, the digital transformation challenges cybersecurity in the shape in in a sense that it it challenges the way the enterprise deals with technology fundamentally. Okay, uh, and historically. Cybersecurity has been seen as part of IT, it's been attached to the CIO, and it's been evolving in that sphere, uh, for good or for bad, because we said earlier that it's not just an IT problem, and we know that, and we've known it for a long time. It's not just an IT problem. It has a big IT component, but it's not just an IT problem. So even structured within the portfolio of the CIO, cybersecurity had to be able to branch out towards the business, towards support functions, and so on. Anyway, now with the emergence of, 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 of the digital transformation, very often it's the business that has taken the lead. Okay? And in many organizations, you see the business driving the digital transformation and, and owning that new tech. And you see uh, the traditional role of the CIO and the traditional role of the CTO evolving in, in sometimes in different di directions compared to the role of the CDO, for example being a chief data officer or chief digital officer, depending on, on, on the type of business you're in. And the role of the CISO, the CISO, is often trapped in the middle. Okay, And, and that is, in my view, what is most challenging about, about cybersecurity. Where does it go? Okay, How does it need to evolve? It's been historically structured in IT, in the traditional portfolio of a CIO. Now you have a CDO emerging next door, very often with, a, with good business acceptance and, and a good momentum behind what they're doing because they're opening new business channels because of the, of, of, of new tech and, and so on. Where, how, do you, how do you make the transition from a security perspective? Where, where, how do you organize or reorganize cybersecurity to map the reality of that new enterprise in its digital transformation efforts? That, I think, is the, is the main challenge I see. Okay? If you, uh, because to be honest, very often the CIOs end up being the guardians of the legacy stuff, and 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 all the all the new tech ends up in the portfolio of the CDO. Uh, so you do have dynamics in large organizations which are not always extremely clear, which are very often quite political, to be honest. And the risk of cybersecurity being trapped in the middle is is in its traditional sense, in its historical sense. Is, is a problem. So I've, in, in many cases, I've ended up advocating, you know, to push the problem up, okay? Because very often, you also have a number of other things happening in the organization, in particular, when the, when the digital transformation is driven by a more aggressive use of data. I say aggressive in a, in a, in, in a good way, not necessarily in a, in a negative way, a, a, a more, a more, uh, how can I say, a, a use of data which is going to help the organization. You have more data. You have more data. Yeah, you have more data and you want to use it more because you have more data. I, I don't mean aggressive in a bad way, but you have more ability to use more data and you want to do it to grow your business. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, But of course, in parallel to everything we've been saying and, and you know, personal data is increasingly becoming more and more valuable and more and more protected, you know, by all sorts of privacy regulations around the world, okay? not just uh, 
GDPR in, in, in Europe, but also a number of equivalent legislations in the US popping up state, state by state. So uh, fundamentally, it, it makes a lot of sense to start pushing the problem up and to start seeing um, privacy and security at large, spanning all different type of IT and, and tech environments, uh, and structuring that as the portfolio of, of one executive, you know, in, in a way of reshaping the role of the, of the CISO, if you want, and pushing it up. I don't know if I'm explaining myself very clearly, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you come back into this because I've been talking for a while again. I'm here. I, I'm, I'm listening to you. And I'm trying to uh, um, uh, say understand, but try to get it. So from my my from my my own perspective, yes. So I agree with you. The digital transformation is again is like using another term. Is like in the old days we said information security and information security transited to be cybersecurity, but actually it means exactly the same. And I think it's better to use information security because information can include anything. Um, or you can say cloud security, or you can say anyway security because the information is all over the place. And shadow IT and the digital transformation, as we mentioned, again, uh, COVID pushed them, all businesses, to now working from home, which brought more brought in more threats to any organization, small or large. And as you said earlier, digital transformation is here for so many years ago. So it's like nothing new about it. It's just now they're using it as a marketing tool and not exactly is to describe something else or explain, explain something else. It's just another marketing like APT active persistent threat and one company brought it as and use it as a in in its marketing i don't want to mention names uh, actually they were breached uh as of last year just to give a clue um and and again this is a marketing but actually everything is 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 making sense so what i would like to uh, and and I think you touched it. How how you go when you do digital transformation, and who's going to drive it? Who's going to own it? Yeah. Who who is actually so? As you said, the CIO probably will own the legacy systems, but then they can have fights with that person now that is going to drive the the digital infrastructure, such as digital infrastructure, yeah. I would say. And and now you need to connect the data points, so either to import or export the data and use it in a different ways. And now they're gonna have fights about it, and who is gonna own it, which gonna cause. Uh, and you said it's politics here, which is gonna cause uh, more yeah. problems to any organization. Yeah, I was gonna say you cannot allow the digital transformation to happen without some form of security component in it. And this is why you need to be very careful about where you position the CISO and their role and how you evolve it as your organization transforms. Because um, technologists uh, are trained and incentivized to deliver on functionality, to deliver on speed, to deliver on functionality and so on. 
uh, they're not to deliver on cost for some of them, but they're not in the incentivized to deliver on control. They're not trained. It's not their mindset. They're not trained to deliver on security. Most technologists are, are trained to deliver on functionality. Uh, and, features. And, and, and features and capabilities. I'm not... Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's it's a fact in my experience. It's a reality. It the way it's reality. Yeah. And they are trained and incentivized in that way. So that's why you need to have a security structure uh, to be embedded in your digital transformation effort. And if you leave the traditional role of the CISO in the portfolio of a CIO who is gradually pushed aside the transformation, because that's driven by a CDO who is doing things directly with the business and so on, that's a problem. So you need to find ways of disentangling the... If, if you're in that situation, you need to find ways of disentangling the role of the CISO and figure out how they can be active in whatever the CDO is doing. And you will have to twist your organization to make that happen. And in, in large organizations, politics are a factor and you have to be aware of those and and that kind of transition has to be driven from the top down because bottom up it just won't happen sideways it won't happen there are too many silos and too many interests here too many crossed interests if you want too many crossed wires potentially it won't happen by itself it will have to be driven top down which is why i've ended up recommending in a number of situations you know to push it up and you you push it up in security digital security, information security in its traditional sense. You could aggregate privacy into this, you could aggregate resilience, you could aggregate business continuity, and you start, you end up creating a meaty portfolio, which you can give to a serious executive, and you can push that up to the top of the pile and make it report to the board, or to, to a COO of some descriptions, or to a CEO, if you want, if you make it big enough, and you have a big enough to carry it. Of course, you need to find the right person. You need to incentivize that person at the right level with the right package and so on and so forth. But that's another matter. Okay, So that, that's a little bit the way I'm seeing it. You cannot let digital transformation happen without security inside it. And you need to understand how you can make this happen in relation to where you are in terms of organizing security across the organization. Sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm off the time. I'm going off time again. Yeah. yeah um... I think information, where is the information? Um, well, shadow IT came from bottom to top because they needed some answers and they need some solutions and not necessarily, as you mentioned earlier, the IT, the corporate IT would help them to do that. And now they need, they need the solution and they can't wait. So they do Dropbox because they need to exchange, uh, exchange files, large files with an outside vendor. So until the IT set up an FTP server and until you get the grant them the access and how they're going to pull the information. Oh, now you need to put it in the DMZ. Oh, now the DMZ. Okay, now you need to pull the information. It, it's becoming complicated, but if you use Dropbox, even you pay a few dollars for an account and you are unlimited in terms of the storage space, it's going to be quick. You do it now, you finish with it, you send information to your graphic designer, and he has access to it. That's it. It's done. Game is over. Um, I, I, 
I, I had another case with the with a customer kind of said, you know, I just want to exchange some information with the with the with the with the vendors. Like I want to share with them information. Do you have like a quick solution for me? And he's the IT manager. So I said, listen, you have already access to our cloud. I'll give you and you have that. You can you can use that in order to share the files. It was very quick. He was so happy about it because you resolved the issue very quickly for him. So imagine this is happening in a business unit where you need to resolve the issues right away. Yeah. I, I think information should be on regardless where the information is to simplify it a little bit because now you make it complicated is to say all the information, wherever the information is, should be responsible, be with the responsibility of one person or two people that will oversee that and make sure that security is actually implemented regardless where is the information, whether it's on the cloud or on-prem or, I don't know, on the moon. They need, they need to own that data. They need to be the data custodian, and they need to handle the information. Now, if you have a business requirement, so they need to move quickly. You know, CIO and CTOs have been, say, up, upgraded to some extent because now they need to understand business. They need to understand marketing. They need to understand sales. They need to understand customers, um, how they do. So they need to be more business savvy than they used to be. Just you know, only focusing only on technology, focusing only about the information. Now they need to see how that information will be used, how that technology can be used in order to enable better business for for our our uh, company. I just want to go back to the Dropbox story because okay. to me this is as old as Dropbox itself. It's as old as Dropbox. I had those problems 10 years ago, close to 12, 12 years ago. I, I remember having those questions on my desk. And <laughs> and the problem from a CISO perspective, the problem is capturing that that problem, capturing that requirement. The, the, the problem is making sure that question comes to your desk or comes to some form of security person. Okay, that, That's the main problem. If we capture it, we can deal with it. There are lots of ways of dealing with it. So there is it's one thing to use Dropbox uh, without a password. It's one thing to use Dropbox with a password, with a strong password. There are alternatives you can use. There may be different ways, very simply, to exchange the file, etc., etc., etc. If we and the file may be sensitive, the, the file may not be sensitive at all, and we could go on and on. If we capture the, the, the problem, if the problem comes to the desk of a security professional, then we can deal with it. We can educate. We can find the best solution. We can assess. And, um, and 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 help the business achieve its, its objectives. Uh, but we have to capture it. And that, that to me is, is, is the main issue. And, and it means, obviously, having built the channels and, and, and a level of awareness sufficient for the people in the business who have that problem to know where to go and to be willing to go there, not to be scared, not to think that they're going to be pushed aside, not to think that they're going to have to wait for two two days before an answer comes back, and those kind of things. So it's about it's about building the relationship and the channels with your business so that your business is not scared to come to you because they know they'll get some form of answer, and 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 that in itself is is a genuine management challenge, you know, in many organizations. Okay, uh, but but that's the the background 
in which you can start solving these problems. If the if your Dropbox problem comes onto the desk of a security professional, be dealt with, and there are many ways of dealing with it in a secure way. If it doesn't, then it becomes a matter of understanding why and what you need to do to make sure in the future it does get referred to security person. That's that's the way I'm, I'm seeing it. If you want, because this is not a difficult problem, okay, and it can be solved. And there are many, many, many different ways of solving it. And 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 it may not be a problem at all. The file may not be sensitive at all. It may not be a problem. Okay, you may end up telling the guy, "Fine, put it on Dropbox. Who cares?" Okay, uh, you know. It, it, but the problem is, so here's here's an 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 um, I'm saying an answer, but a counter. To what you just said, you can say, "Yeah, if it's not sensitive, put it there. It's no problem." However, if one day he decides to put something that it's not sensitive, which is sensitive, exactly. and share it with another another person from another organization, you really don't have any control what they do. Once you give that permission to do that, now you have a big problem. Now you have a bigger problem. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's got to be done in the context of a particular type of relationship between the security function and the rest of the business. Okay. And, yeah, and, uh, but, and but people are different. People yeah, are different. Yeah. Once, they, once they get the permission, they're going to abuse it. We know that. And, and this, is, this is an yeah. issue. Not to mention now that even, even, even if that information is not sensitive, you still have a problem with something that is connected from outside to your internal computer. However, you want to say it, yeah, you have a strong but, password. But you have two, you have MFA, you have everything, and and then because that cloud can be breached, don't forget it. Nobody is is safe under the sun. You can say, hey, you know, but this is really a remote issue. Yeah, it may be, but remote issues happen on a daily basis. So now. How can I differentiate between all of those cases? It's probably impossible because you have, you know, every little thing, and now you need to distinguish between every little thing, and it, it can be done in in a, you know big organizations, and and you need to give assessment right away. You need to give them answers. They're not going to wait for you. Yeah, but but you know we're we're going to go back to to uh, we're going to go back to the concept of defense in layers, frankly, because. Uh, the, the answer to your question is if you're concerned about the usage which is being made of your Dropbox, then monitor it. Okay? And, and, and which is essentially a, a way of saying, well, you put, a, you put an additional layer on top whereabout you are somehow going to check what is happening. Okay? And, you, and you have to plug that into a process whereabout not only you're going to be collecting data about what is or isn't happening on your Dropbox or any kind of file transfer system you're using, but then somebody is going to review the anomalies, deal with the anomalies and 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 process the incidents or the, the, the right. or, or you can, when they happen. Because it's not or, or you, it's also about the process. Right. And 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 it's a good point that you said okay you need to monitor, but also you can isolate it on a different machine that it's not going to impact all the computers on the network. So this so there are you know some creative solutions here that both of us can bring and solve a problem and, and give them what they need and get over with it. This, this is it. This is it. If you do the key, again, and that, that's the, the essence of what I was trying to say, the key is for the security team to capture the problem. 
If they capture the problem, they will find a way of solving it. There are many ways of solving it. Okay? Many ways of solving it in a way which remains secure and in a way which satisfies everybody. Okay? Right. Uh, there may right. be compliance requirements on top. You know, We haven't mentioned that. We haven't spoken a lot about compliance. Oh, compliance there may be compliance yeah. requirements yeah, yeah. on top. Yeah, you you mentioned it earlier the the GDPR and and other compatible compliances in in the US for each state. Yes, like California that they have a compatible GDPR. You have New York state also that they have a little bit more um say aggressive also Connecticut they have some some cybersecurity compliance over there for for different in industries for specifically for the financial in industry and insurance and money transmitters and all of that. So yes, I mean, it's another topic by itself. Um, so let's talk about your clients a little bit. Uh, who is your best clients? So they come to Corex. Uh, Why? Our, our best client. Um, our, our best client is an incoming CIO, an incoming head of risk, an incoming head of compliance. You know, comes into a new organization, looks around and says, what on earth is going on around cybersecurity? And and that's that's our best client, to be honest. They come to us and we help them figure it out. In a nutshell, that's that that that's our best client. They're coming because so uh, they're coming because they have a self-awareness about cyber because it's a new CEO and now he feels that he needs to touch that. He comes with the with this awareness, or he came to the to a new company to manage it, and suddenly discover, oh, what's going on here? There's a huge mess in here. Well, well how do they come with that awareness it's to begin with, a or they develop of, that they awareness? They come into a new job. They look, they look around. Yeah. No, they, they they come with that awareness or a degree of awareness to begin with. Probably something they developed in other jobs. Then they come in, they pick up a new job, they look around. They see things happening around cyber, but they don't really understand what's going on, and they need help around framing it, making it happen, and making it work for them. Sometimes there is a CISO, sometimes there is no CISO, sometimes they're not comfortable with the CISO they've got, uh, sometimes the CISO has just left, sometimes there are you know 250 people running a cybersecurity project, but nobody can give them any form of indication on, on what this is about and what they're delivering. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you you can you start to see the sort of situation in which we are called in. That's, that's that's typical. I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's typical about the no, sort that, of situation in which we're called in. That's okay. Okay, so I think we almost coming to almost like uh, the top of the hour. So in closing. We discussed a lot of things. We touched a little bit compliance. We touched a little bit about your clients, digital transformation, supply chain, MSP. We talked about how to get started, what they need to do. Uh, would you say like it's a risk assessment that they need to do in order to, and this is what you're saying, to do risk assessment, to understand who is what, where's the data, documenting the data, where is the data, so have some some sort of visibility. To the data we talked about monitoring we talked about how to mitigate some you know drawbacks we mentioned uh, and how to monitor and actually isolate it and have a little bit more control even though it's a shadow shadow it um 
And I think uh, we touch, you know, in this hour, we, we touch a lot, a lot of stuff. There's also probably more things to talk about, <laughs> as always, because our prep call was yeah, uh, also uh, was uh, long enough also. So what what's your Yeah, that was a good chat. Yes, definitely. And and I mean this this conversation and and the power conversation last week also was a good one. Um so in your closing, what what the what what do you have to say like you know, the flow is yours as we say. Well, I, I enjoyed the conversation a lot and yes, we have gone in all sorts of areas, but I think it, it, it makes sense, and I, I'm comfortable it will flow well for the for, for our listeners. Um, I'm to as a conclusion, I really want to go to go back to what we said at the beginning, frankly, in terms of ownership, and uh, and and also something we said later in the discussion in terms of you know, the importance of of some of those things being driven top down. I think for the past twenty years, cybersecurity has been driven bottom up or sideways. Very often you hear people talking about, oh, you know, we need to bring this up to the board. Okay, so, you know, we need. Uh, you, you you see questions online or articles about, you know, how often is the board kept informed about cybersecurity and all this. I think the real challenge the industry has is really to turn the table on this. It shouldn't be happening in that way. You know, at board level, there there are more and more people asking themselves the question, you know, what's happening here? What is this about? They should have the the, the, the courage really to own up and to, to, to drive and to say, well, okay, fine. This is our problem. This is a business problem. We're going to own it as a business problem and drive it as a business problem. And the minute you start doing this, you're going to see dynamics changing. And I think that's the real challenge for me, the industry has, to move away from the historical bottom-up dynamics, which frankly have not worked very well in large organizations. Otherwise, they wouldn't be breached day after day. Okay? Uh, and start focusing more on the top-down sort of um, the dynamic, uh, more business-oriented, more business-centered, driven top-down by the board or from the board or for, from the executive co and driven towards the business, not just towards IT. I think that's the, that's the main challenge the industry still has, if you want my view. It's hard, but it needs to be done. That's what I would say in conclusion. Okay, uh, that's uh, perfect. So we are now finishing. We came to a little bit more than an hour. It says an hour and two minutes. So really enjoyed the, the conversation with you, JC. Um, hopefully we'll meet again, I don't know, sometime. I know both of us, we have busy schedules. Uh, we need to meet the deadlines and so forth, which is fine. And we do this as a, as a kind of to help uh, the community out there with our conversations, uh, raise awareness, bring things that uh, from the dark, for the darkness to get some light, shed some light on some of the topics that we talked about. And it was, uh, it was very good. So with that, um, we're going to finish it. And as always, uh, thank you for watching. Um, this is the Cybersecurity Insider. My name is Igal Behar. Thank you for uh, watching uh, this uh, session with JC. And if you like it, please like it. If you don't, you know, it's fine. Uh, share it on 
your cybersecurity risk assessment, do whatever you need to do in order to be better. And I wish you um, healthy and be safe out there. Thank you very much for watching. And we are going to stop this session today. Thank you very much.